For far too long, many Christians and churches have been primarily known by what they are against. Most people in our communities could rattle off a list of things that they think we stand in opposition to, all the while never really experiencing the love Jesus has for them. It's time for things to change. For the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the gospel, and for the sake of those that Jesus gave his life for, it's time that we become known by what we are for. It's time that we begin really loving our neighbors. It's time that we begin living and loving for the sake of those around us who are desperately in need of the life-giving power of the gospel. If we are going to help people move closer to where God wants them to be, it's time that we are no longer known primarily by what we are against. It's time that we become known by what we are for. Well, good morning and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us again today. My name is Matt, and I get the privilege of sharing with you this morning. Um, I'm excited. We are starting a new series uh, this morning. This is the title of it, is For the Verde Valley. And, and uh, Jim gave you a little taste in there about kind of where we're going with things and what we'll be talking about. But I'm, I'm excited because I think that there's a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about over the next couple weeks that just is really important for us in the kind of the, the stage we're at as a church. And I think, I think there's a lot of stuff that's important for us to be paying attention to, a lot of stuff that's important for us to be wrestling with. And, and I'm hoping that uh, through these next couple of weeks that together we will be encouraged, that together we'll be challenged, together we'll be inspired a little bit. And um, I'm excited for some of the things that God is doing here. Uh, one thing I want to tell you is that if you are new, if this is one of your first times here, thank you for joining us. We're excited to have you. But I also want to tell you a little bit, uh, a lot of this message and a lot of the next couple weeks is not necessarily designed for you as a guest. I'm so glad you're here. Please don't get up and walk out the door. Like It's good stuff to hear, I think, for all of us. But more than anything, a lot of these next couple weeks are uh, almost like a peek behind the curtain a little bit of some of the conversations that uh, a lot of our church leadership has been having recently and, and is, um, I think, primarily for uh, people who are a part of our church already to, to help us be considering how to move forward in a way that is most effective and how to continue um, to take steps toward where God wants us to be as a church and how to continue um, to fulfill the mission that God has called us to. And so, um, again, I'm glad you're here. Don't go, come back next week. Like, it, it's good. Like, but um, I want you to hear, especially if you are already a part of our church, I want you to hear a lot of these messages kind of through that lens, that this is important stuff for our church to be considering as we think about, like, what's next for us um, and what we need to do um, as we continue to take steps forward. Um, I think it's important every so often just to kind of take stock and step back for a moment and to, to reevaluate, to refocus, to regain some perspective. I think it's an important practice just in life as individuals to do that regularly. Um, but I think it's important in the life of a church to kind of step back sometimes and, and just kind of look in the mirror and ask some questions and say, like, what are we doing well? What are some things that uh, have been really good? What are some ways that maybe we need to consider some things that, that we need to invest our energy in? What are some things we maybe 
probably should be spending more time talking about and thinking about and working on and that kind of thing. And so as a, as a group of leaders, we've been doing that for, um, we try to do that regularly, but we've been doing that recently too. And, and a lot of today is kind of coming through um, as a result of some of those conversations. And so one of the questions that I want to start today with, and, and uh, you don't need to respond out loud, but you can just think about it for a second. I, I think this is an important question to ask as a church when you're kind of looking in the mirror and considering, um, considering the state of things, considering where stuff is at. Um, here's a question. If our church were to suddenly close its doors... Uh, this week, what would, what would be the felt void in our community? Would it be significant? Would it be a lot? Would we be missed? Would anybody notice? And see, I, I, as I ask some of those questions, I understand that me, as, as a leader here, and most of you as a member here, you probably have a hard time actually honestly answering that question because you've already experienced some of the value that being a part of this church has had in your life. And so your, your response to that is a little bit skewed. My, my, I don't really know how to answer that. I don't, I don't really have a good handle on our mark in this community. But I do know this. I do know that we live in an area where there are tens of thousands of people who are still living far from God, who are still living in a, in a situation or a circumstance or a lifestyle that is filled with pain and with struggle and with hurt. I know that we live in an area where there are tens of thousands of people that are going through unimaginable things for a, a lot of us, I, things that I can't imagine. I know that, that we live in a community where while we have seen some ways that our church has been um, effective to a certain extent at, at uh, welcoming people, at bringing the good news to people who need it, I also know that there's so much more that we could do, that there's so much farther that we could go, that there are so many people that the heart of God longs to see, experience his love and the hope that comes through him. And so we, we want to ask that question, what are we doing? Are, are, we, are we living up to the potential that God has for us? Are we the kind of community of believers that is leaving a mark in the Verde Valley? And that's a question that we just kind of want to continue to wrestle with over a couple weeks. Um, my hope is that through this series that we do a little bit of work um, as individual followers of Jesus to kind of look in the mirror and consider some things for each of us um, individually, but that we collectively kind of look in the mirror too and consider where it is that God might be leading us next.
one of the ways that I think is important to kind of step back and take stock and, and that kind of thing really is to sometimes just go back to the basics. And so that's where we're going to start today is we're going to go back to what I think are some of the most basic principles, both for individual followers of Jesus and some of the most basic principles for the church, for our church, for the church throughout history. And so we're going to start with three basics. On your outline, um, there's three blanks that you can fill in. Uh, I'm actually not going to give you the answers. I just want you to hear these scriptures that we're going to read together, and I need you to figure out what to fill in those blanks with based on the scriptures that we look at. I think that these are, if I had to boil everything down and say, I want to go back to the very most basic things that are important for followers of Jesus um, and for the church, these are the things I would go back to. Um, Here's scripture number one. This comes from uh, Matthew chapter 22. You can read this same inter- interchange or interaction in a couple different gospels, but this is the one we're looking at today. Here's, here is this brief conversation that we get a glimpse into by reading uh, Matthew's account of Jesus. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. So there's an expert of the law, approaches Jesus, asks him this question and says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied. So, I mean, this is a pretty important question. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? So if we're going back to basics, if we're trying to boil it all down, it would probably be good for us to pay attention to what comes next out of Jesus' mouth. Here is what it is. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So here's the the clue. The two first blanks there, you can find the answer on the screen. If we're going back to the basics, the two most important things here that Jesus tells us are on the screen. So read, read again, listen to that, figure out your answer and write it down. Number one, what does he say? I mean, it's the, the love the Lord your God part. Essentially boiled down, there's, there's a bunch of words, but wholehearted love and devotion to God. All-encompassing love of God. That, that he says the most important thing for you is for you to be all in in your relationship with me or in your relationship with my Father. If I'm gonna boil it all down and go back to the basics, that's it. Second thing, if we're going to fill in blank number two, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, ultimately, if we're we're distilling all of Scripture down, all of the instructions to the church, all of the instructions to followers of Christ, so much of it comes back to these two things. Third blank, um, we're going to read somewhere else. Uh, This is from Matthew chapter 28. This is the very end of the ministry of Jesus. So this has taken place after Jesus has been crucified, after he has risen again. These are the last words that Matthew records Jesus sharing with his followers. Just just a side note, I really believe that if someone predicts their own death and resurrection, and then they like pull it off, like we should pay attention to what they say. And especially like anything after that point, like should hold quite a bit of weight for us. And so this is the last thing that Jesus says to his followers. 
He says this, he says, uh, and then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Blank number three there. I, I don't know how you'd write that. Make disciples, share the good news, take the gospel to places that need the gospel something like that. But the idea is, number one, that we are to love God with this all-encompassing, all-in, wholehearted kind of love. That number two, we are to love the people around us. And number three, that we are to take the good news to the people that are in need of it. Here's what I know when I look at myself. And I think that, I think that it is reflective a little bit of the broader culture um, not even just of our church, but just of, of people and of Christians everywhere, is that we do a great job, generally speaking, of focusing on number one. The idea that we're supposed to develop a relationship with God our Father that is marked by love, that, it, that we... I'm so glad to live in the time that I live. There, there are so many resources available to me to encourage my love for God, to encourage me and, and give me training and um, help me understand better how to hear from God, how to read his word, how to be in daily relationship with him, how to pray, how to worship, all of those kinds of things. Like I, There are so many ways that I am daily challenged to grow in my love for God. And I appreciate that so much. I appreciate the people here in this church that, that encourage me as I, as I watch your love for God. Like, I'm inspired to make my love for God a little bit more wholehearted and to go a little bit more all in. And so I would say, generally speaking, I think that, that this is true for a lot of us, is that this number one basic, that, that we have, not that we have it on lock or that it's like, uh, we're all doing a great job at loving God wholeheartedly all the time. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that, like, we spend quite a bit of attention on that. And there's a lot of ways that we try to talk and encourage each, each other toward that relationship between us and God. Here's the other thing I know about myself when I look in the mirror, is that I, I am always going to have a natural drift toward myself and toward thinking about myself. And so when it comes to even like me and my personal relationship with Jesus, I, that uh, feels good and comfortable to me to spend time working on that because, because it feels good and it doesn't, uh, I don't know, I, I just like it and it's, I get to think about myself for a little bit and uh, that kind of stuff. Like I struggle and I think we all struggle really when it comes to kind of basic number two, and then even more so with basic number three. And so what I'm hoping that we hear through these next couple of weeks is, um, and, what, and what I'm hoping we hear as a church, and, and some of the steps forward that I'm hoping that we take are toward figuring out what it means for us as a group of people and as a bunch of individuals, what it means for us to go back to the basics when it comes to 
loving the people around us, and it, when it comes to taking the gospel to those who need it. We will always drift back toward an inward focus if we're not actively and intentionally fighting against that. Jim said this in that opening video, but I, I, I think that it's really true, is that far too often Christians are known primarily by what they're against. I really believe that for us to spend some time and figure out how to take some steps forward when it comes to loving the people around us and when it comes to taking the gospel to those who need it, um, on some level, I think we have a perception problem, and, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But I am convinced that the way forward for us is that we need to help um, the people in our community feel that we are for them so that they can feel like Jesus is for them. Which takes us to point number two. If people are going to know that Jesus is for them, they need to know that we are for them. And that's where this title for this series comes from, For the Verde Valley, is that I really believe that for us to be taking some strides forward as individuals and as a church, one of the most important things that we could be doing right now is trying to figure out how to help the people around us know that we are for them so that they will know that Jesus is for them. One of the most, uh, I don't know if famous is the right way to describe it, but one of the, the most well-known, commonly known uh, scripture references, I mean, I don't see it as much anymore, but for a long time, you used to see it on signs held up at football games. Like, what is it? John 3.16, even people that are, are not very biblically literate, like they know that reference. Sometimes even people that are just like fans of uh, WWF wrestling, like even know that reference, um, just because it, it has had a place in culture. And so John 3.16, we're going to put it up on the screen. And this is, this is what I want to say, that John 3.16, let me just read it first. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. There is no more important message that we have to carry to people who are hurting than this message right here. That there is a God who loves them personally and went to such great lengths to make it possible to be in relationship with them and that God looks at them through a loving embrace and is not a God who is here to condemn, but who is a God of second chances and of fresh starts and a God who wants to bring as many people possible as possible into a relationship with him. This is the message. This is the best message. Here's the issue, is that so many people have heard this, so many people have heard these words, and yet still choose to remain in a life that is far from God. And this is my hypothesis. I believe 
that people have heard these words, but it has not changed anything for them because they're, they're just words. They're, the way that they have felt treated by the followers of this God leaves something to be desired. I believe that if people are going to know that Jesus is for them, they need to know that we are for them as well. And sometimes they need to know that we are for them first before they will even be ready to come to grips with the fact that God is for them. And far too often in our lives as individuals and in our life as a church, we are not doing what we need to be doing to help people feel that we are for them, to help people feel the love of God by how we treat them. And so that's where we're at today. And this is what I want to present to us together. This is what I'm feeling challenged in personally. This is what I think is important for us as a church to get a hold of as we continue to take steps forward to helping people experience the life-changing message, the life-changing love and forgiveness of God, is that for people to feel like God is for them, they need to feel like his body, his bride is also for them. We're going to talk through this series about what that means and what that can look like and what we can practically do to be taking some steps forward. But that's the idea. Um, it's interesting. I, I, there's a way that that can almost feel like I'm uh, like chastising us. Um, and in a way I am, but I also am, am telling you that like, I see this in us. Like I, I see the, the potential for this in us to grow. I see glimpses of this in how I interact with some of you. And it encourages me and gives me hope for where we're going together. Um, even as I've been thinking about this and praying about this and, and as I was uh, getting ready for some of it this week, one of the things that I'm, I'm convinced of is that there are so many people who feel like life is against them and as a result, they kind of feel like God is against them. And that as, as circumstances, as situations feel oppressive to people, as, as people are, are going through life in bondage and in addiction and, and facing these unimaginable circumstances, I really believe that people, when, when it feels like life is against them, it can also feel like God is for them. And there's something significant that happens when you feel like someone is in your corner. It can change things suddenly for you. I think that there are a lot of people in our community and in the Verde Valley that don't feel like anyone is in their corner. And they definitely don't feel like the church is in their corner. And they definitely don't feel like God is in their corner. As we intentionally work to help people feel like we are in their corner, it can change things. 
And if that can change things and people can get to the point that they feel like maybe if those Christians are in my corner, like maybe there's something to that message that maybe God really might love me. That can change everything for somebody. I see glimpses of this in my interactions with people. There's um, just a, a quick story about how, how this uh, even hit home for me is that, that there's a lot of times that, uh, I mean, people in this room, me, can, can feel like frustrated and can start to feel like life is against me. And, and sometimes too often, I, like I wish this wasn't true, but too often like circumstances and situations can cause me to doubt and can cause me to um, question God's goodness and those kinds of things. And, and um, just this last week, we, some of you know my, uh, one of my daughters has had uh, a bunch of health problems uh, for a couple years, but um, it's kind of ramped up in the last couple months. And um, she's just had, we've spent way too much time at Phoenix Children's Hospital and way too much time in doctor's offices and way too much time in different tests and that kind of thing. And, and uh, just this last Friday, she had a couple of other tests. And, and so uh, we were in Phoenix with her and getting some more tests done. And, and uh, one of the board members from our church um, sent me a text last night and uh, basically just said, like, hey, I just want you to know that, like, we are praying for you and that we are, me and my wife are just in your corner and we are here for you. And we just wanted to encourage you and, and remind you that, like, we're here and we know what's going on and we're thinking about you. And, and I'll tell you that, like, what that does even for me and for my faith is that that reminds me of God's love for me. Is that when I experience someone from the body of Christ standing with me and saying, hey, I'm in your corner, it reminds me that God is present and that God is good and that God is faithful. Um, but yeah, I, he sent me that text last night, too, from uh, a hospital room that he was in with his wife, who's just had surgery and has had a recent cancer scare and all of that stuff. So, I, I mean, I, I was even thinking, like, you're just good at this. <laughs> like, I wish I could be like you. I wish that that was me. I wish we could, like, duplicate that in all of us. I wish that that was what marked us as a community, was that, the, that despite our own circumstances, that we were willing to stand with people as a way of helping to remind them that God is for them, of helping to remind them of God's presence and God's love. There's people, I, there might be people in this service, I know there's people in the next service today, that because of that same uh, board member and his wife would, would say, this is their story, and they would tell you this story, they would say, because of the way that these people stood with me and, and let me know that they were for me, even before I believed anything that we believe now, even before I was a follower of Jesus, because these people stood with me, because I felt like these people were in my corner, that's why I'm here now. That's why I continue to be here now. I, I want that to be more like me. 
I want that to be more like us because I think that that is what moves us closer to where God wants us to be. I think that that idea is what can change the lives of people that are hurting in this community. Number three, our posture needs to shift. Um, First Peter says this, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Jesus said something very similar to this too in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, uh, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify my Father in heaven. And, and this idea that the lives that we live, not in here, but the lives that we live in places where those who are still far from God might be able to see that the lives that we live as we're interacting with people who are far from God can be the very thing that causes people to turn to him. Can be the very thing that causes people to to give glory to him. That the lives that we live out there can change the hearts of people and help them to understand God's love for them. But our posture needs to to change a little bit. What do I mean when I say this? I just mean that sometimes, too often, we have a posture that's maybe marked a little bit more by sometimes defensiveness. Sometimes we feel like we need to stand up for what we believe and, and we need to shout it loudly. Sometimes we feel like debate is the right method. Sometimes we feel like out of fear, like, I don't know, I'm not really sure how to interact with those people because they intimidate me and I don't know how to... I think that we need a posture shift to figure out how we can do a better job of embracing those who are still far from God. I read this uh, in a blog this week, and I really, really liked it, and we're going to use it a little bit more. In fact, this is going to be the basis for our message next week, and I'm excited for it. But um, here's the idea, that we must learn the art of being able to, number one, have integrity in our convictions. I'm not suggesting that we back down from our convictions. I'm not suggesting that we somehow compromise our convictions. I'm suggesting that we need to have integrity in our convictions, but number two, that we need to genuinely love, listen to, and serve those who do not share our convictions. And that number three, we have to figure out how to consistently do both of those at the same time. And friends, I think that this is the way forward for us. I think that this is the way that we carry the gospel into the lives and into the hearts of people who are still far from God. Is that we have to figure out how to do both of those things at the same time. That the way forward for us is not going to be a posture of defensiveness or a posture of aggression 
but it's going to be a posture of standing on the truth and at the same time genuinely loving and listening to and serving those who don't yet share our same convictions. I really like this quote, and I kind of wanted to end with it. Um, from Madeline Langle. Here's a quote. It says, we draw people to Christ, not by loudly discrediting what they believe, by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all of their hearts to know the source of it. Dude, that's good. I'll give you a second to write it down if you want. We draw people to Christ by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source of it. And it takes a hard look in the mirror sometimes to, to, to know if that's the kind of life that we're living as individuals and as a church. And there's probably some uncomfortable things that we're going to see when we look in the mirror a little bit. but I see so much potential for how God can use us to be a voice of hope in the lives of people who are still far from him. I can envision a future here where people become convinced that Jesus is for them because they have experienced how people in this church are for them. I can see a future where we treat people so well that we become an unquestionable asset to this community. That the people in this community who don't share our same beliefs would look at us and say, oh no, like that church can't close its doors. Like we need them. <laughs> like they give hope to people who are hurting and we know that because we've seen it. And so we may not necessarily believe what they believe yet, but like, we see how they treat people. And that is important, and we need that. What if our church had that reputation here? I think that God would be glorified and that many hearts would be brought to him. I can picture a future where even before people believe what we believe, they might be drawn to Christ because they are envious of the way that we treat each other and they're amazed at the way that we treat them. I think that if we are gonna be effective in reaching our community with a gospel, I'm convinced that this is the place that we need to start. Far too often, Christians and their churches are known more by what they're against and I believe that we need to work to change that. I think that if we are gonna to continue to keep moving forward, if we are going to continue to help people move from wherever they are to where God wants them to be, like this is the place that we need to spend some time and some energy considering what that means for us as individuals and what that means for us as a church. Because I really do believe that if people are gonna know that God is for them, it's gotta start with knowing that we're for them. Would you join me in a word of prayer?
God, I'm thankful for you and for your love and your grace. I'm thankful for the way that you've changed us. I know there's so many people in this room who have experienced your love in such a real and tangible way. And I'm so grateful for that. And at the same time, God, my heart breaks for the tens of thousands of people in this valley that are, are hurting and that are far from you and that are in need of some hope and that are in need of some good news. And God, you've called us clearly to participate in taking the good news to where it needs to go. God, I ask that you would have your way here in us, that you would have your way in my life, that you would have your way in each of us as individuals, but God, that you would have your way in this church, that we would be a community of people that is marked by our love for the people around us. And God, that you would have your way in this valley and that you would give graciously to us to allow us to be a part of that. God, would you make our hearts soft for those around us? Would you help us to listen to you closely to know how to move forward? We love you. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. If you have things that you would like to be prayed for this morning, we have a prayer team that's over here to the right of the stage. I want to say one more thing. Every week over the next five weeks, um, we're going to try to give you some practical things to start to put into practice uh, some of the stuff. A couple of the weeks, we're going to ask you maybe to consider participating in something that we're organizing. A couple of the weeks, we're going to try to give you some tools to try to implement some things like in your own lives and in your kind of community and spheres of influence that are right along the lines with all of this. And so uh, this first week, the thing that we, we want to encourage you to consider being a part of um, is in this video right here. Good morning, Verde Valley Christian Church. My name is Kelly, and this is Jill, and we are from the Old Town Mission right here in Cottonwood. Um, the Old Town Mission is a Christian faith in action outreach that inspires, empowers, sustains, and most importantly, shares the love of God. So we serve the entire Verde Valley by providing food, clothing, program services. We do a lot of outreaches like Operation Back to School or um, the Great Turkey Giveaway, Christmas Celebration, and really our desire is just to uh, connect and to build relationships within our community. When we meet the physical needs of um, somebody that's really struggling, that's going to make an impact and open up the door for a, a greater relationship with somebody and advance the kingdom of God. And what is it? It's in practical things like food and clothing. And this is where we just really need everybody from the body of Christ, those that are Christ followers, to, you know, to be his hands and feet in our community. One of the ways that we can be shifting our posture and be paying attention just to the, some of the, the things that are out there is really even just to start with some 
super basic things like trying to help meet some practical needs of those in our community. And so we're partnering with the Old Town Mission and we're collecting food next Sunday. Um, I would just encourage you to consider being a part of this. Uh, there's more information at the Info Center. You can take a bag with you, um, fill it up next week, and then this is a really important detail. When, when you bring it back next week, all you need to do is leave it on the ground in front of your car in the parking lot, like out kind of in the aisle, just not in the middle of the aisle, like right in front of your car, and we'll go around and just collect it. And um, it's, it's a simple way that we can kind of just begin, begin the process. It's one little thing, but we can begin the process of paying attention to the needs of people that are around us. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you next week.